Amen. Hey, everybody, good morning. Hey, welcome to Coastal. Uh, glad to have you with us today. I'm Pastor Chris, and uh, um, before we get into uh, Battlefield, hey, guess what? This is the, the last week of school. Woo-woo! Okay, man, that was, I know the parents are like, oh, yeah, wow, last week of school. But, man, I'm, I'm excited. Um, hey, kids, if you're a student here, all the students, put, put your hands over your ears. Guess what? The grades have already been turned in anyway, okay? Now you can put your ears back or your hands off. Um, in other words, uh, don't even go to school this week. No, I'm just teasing. Go to school. <laughs> you got to have a great week. Um, anyway, uh, hey, uh, Pastor uh, Michael, our, our worship uh, pastor, he's out of town at a wedding this weekend. But on Tuesday night, he drives back to Charleston uh, with a truck. And uh, Wednesday, we're going to be moving him uh, into his new apartment. So if you're available on Wednesday, you want to help uh, somebody move into an apartment. Um, and, you know, we, we'll feed you pizza, I think. Don't, don't tell Michael I told you that. But um, we'll, uh, so anyway, if you want to come over to help him uh, unload, that's this Wednesday. Just call over here and we'll, uh, we'll give you the details if you're available. Um, today, uh, we, we do close up this series called uh, Battlefield. And uh, we've had a lot of fun. It's been a great series as we've talked about uh, some of the common enemies that we all face in life and, and uh, that we want to live in victory uh, Satan wants to defeat us, to kill, steal, and destroy, and Christ wants us to have that abundant life. And I'm excited today about doing battle uh, because we are going to face and defeat uh, one of the most common enemies that we, all, that we all face, that we all have to deal with, and I think if there's any place we ought to talk about it, it's here in the church. Uh, some people get upset when uh, pastors and churches talk about money and uh, financial stress, uh, but the reality is there is no uh, enemy that produces more uh, temptation, worry, depression uh, than our finances. Raise your hand this morning if you have ever experienced any level of financial stress. Raise your hand, okay? If your hand's not raised, you're just a liar, okay? Because we all have. I mean, everybody has. Um, and, and it affects every area of life today. You know, in marriage, marriage today, it's no longer till death do us part. Uh, for a lot of people, it's till what? Debt. <laughs> Debt do us part. Um, and making a lot of money today is no longer, you know, the guarantee of lower financial stress. You know, somebody once said, when I started working, I used to dream of the day I might earn the salary that I'm now starving on, <laughs> okay? Um, and that's the reality. You know, and, and the truth is, you know, most of us here in this room probably did not grow up being taught a lot of sound uh, financial principles. I mean, is that true? I mean, like, you know, may maybe you're, you know, you grew up thinking, well, you know, uh, you know, spend what you have, spend a little bit more, and when Christmas and birthdays come along, you just what? Just charge it, right? I mean, that's kind of what we grew up with. Nobody talked to us a lot about fin sound financial principles. Everybody is going to go through uh, a season of financial stress. Regardless of how much or how little you have, um, it is a myth that only the people with less uh, experience financial stress. In fact, in, in many ways, sometimes the more you have, the more you have to worry about, the more you have to stress over, the more you have to insure, protect, consider, and on and on and on. But I also think that, you know, one of the reasons why all of us will experience some season of financial difficulty is because I also think God uses that to teach us. And uh, he wants us to learn to trust him, bottom line. And so God uses money as an acid test 
of our faith, of our character, and our trust. And, and here's the reality, guys. Uh, the Bible says that the way you handle your finances, the way you handle your money, determines how much God can bless your life. And he basically says in the Word, in fact, Jesus said, the, you know, if you don't manage your money well, if you're not responsible with your finances, then God is not going to trust you with the greater responsibility of spiritual blessing. In fact, Jesus said it this way, Luke 16, 11. Listen to this. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who is going to trust you with true riches? So again, your, your personal responsibility with your finances, with your money, determines how God is going to bless your life. It is simply a test of, of character. And again, you know, it, it really does crack me up when people like, you know, they get nervous or, you know, when, when you come to church and the pastor is going to talk about money or finances. I mean, guys, listen, we are living in a day and time when we've got to talk about this. You know, I mean, I read the prayer uh, requests week in and week out. I, you know, I see people, I talk to people, I know what's going on in the world today. I see the news just like you do. We are, we are in a mess today. And we either believe that God's word is a roadmap for every area of life, or we don't. And, and I believe it is. And I believe there are principles in God's word that will help us live in victory in this area in our life. That we don't have to live under the, the bondage of financial uh, stress. So today, I believe that this is going to offer you uh, hope. And I also believe we're going to give you some practical nuts and bolts help. Hope and help, and we're going to defeat this enemy today. We're going to begin the process of you having victory in this area of your life. So step number one, here it is. You need to just simply face your problem. Face, face the music, face the problem. You know, we all have this incredible capacity to pretend that our problems don't exist. Right? I mean, that's true in just about every area of life. We have this incredible capacity to pretend that there's not a relational problem in our marriage. You know, that, that there's not something going on, you know, physically. I mean, guys in particular, we will not go to the doctor unless you put a gun to our head. You know, you, you ladies you go to the doctor a little bit more often than we do. We're afraid of where somebody's going to put something, and we're not going, you know, no matter what, okay? Now, but we have that capacity. That is especially true when it comes to facing the music in our finances. You know, and it's like, you know, when the bills start coming in, we actually think that if I don't open them, they don't exist, Right? And it, we find out it doesn't work that way. We've got to be honest. You know, at some point, you've got to have that hard conversation where you say, you know what? I got a problem. You know, honey, we are in over our head. This is a mess. We're in debt. We can't pay our bills. You've got to have the courage just to face the problem. A, a recent poll in USA Today said that more than two-thirds of Americans worry, stress about their finances on a daily basis. Uh, and, and it really doesn't matter, again, how much you have or how little you have. Regardless, worry is not going to solve the problem. You know, you can't worry it away. Now, one of the reasons why it's so hard to face is because we think we just don't have the answers and we wonder where it's going to come from. And, and we'll say to ourselves, yeah, but, you know, if I add this all up, if I really look at the problem, it's just going to make it worse. 
and it's going to depress me. Well, first of all, grow up a little bit, okay? But, but secondly, listen, that, that's just not true. Once you face it, with God's help, you can begin to find some answers, but that's not going to happen until you face it. In fact, as a believer, we believe that God will even give you the strength to face the problem. I want to look uh, this morning, first of all, at, at a very famous passage, at least one of these verses is, uh, Philippians 4, 12 and 13. Most of us have memorized uh, Philippians 4, 13 at some point in our life. We'll get to that in just a second. Paul here, what, what the Apostle Paul is doing is he is talking about the strength that God gave him in different seasons of financial uh, circumstances that he went through. Listen to what he says. He says, I know what it is to be in need. Okay, so that's one season. And then he says, and I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have a lot. And then he goes, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether I happen to be living in plenty or I'm living in want. And then here's verse 13, the verse that you've memorized, the verse that you got on a plaque somewhere. He says this, I can do what? Everything through him who gives me strength. And again, verse 13, that, that's a great verse. And, and some of you haven't memorized. But did you realize that its context actually has to do with money, with finances, with financial seasons of life. Basically, the Apostle Paul is going, hey, listen to me. In fact, by the way, while he's writing this about being in, whether a season of plenty or want and, and learning to be content, he's in prison, okay? And basically, he says, hey, I have learned that whether I have a little or a lot, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In fact, if I've got a lot, through him who gives me strength, I'm not going to be prideful. And I'm not going to depend on that. And I'm going to recognize whose it is and where it comes from. And if I have a little, if I don't have much, if, I, if I'm hungry, if, I, if my circumstances aren't good financially, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to despair, and I'm not going to think that God's not going to take care of me. He says, whatever situation I know I'm in, he'll be there and he'll give me the strength. Now, when you get that confidence, you have the strength to face the problem. But that's the starting point. And here's the reality. Many of you in this room, you are in financial debt. You, it, it is a mess. Here's step one. Face the problem. Have an honest conversation. It might be difficult. It might be a little humbling. It might even be a little embarrassing. But you can't, you're never going to get better until you face the problem. I remember one time years ago, it was probably like 20 years ago in ministry, there was this young couple coming to our church. They're newly married. They look like models. They're just beautiful couple. One uh, was in pharmacy school. The other was in insurance. And uh, just this picture-perfect, romantic, blissful young couple. And uh, every time you talked to them, she was just as sweet as iced tea, and he was just kind. And I mean, they were just this really, really cool couple. Well, one, one evening, I get a call pretty late 
for somebody calling Pastor Chris. I mean, we're up kind of late, but it was like after 11 o'clock or something. I answered the phone, and it's the guy, and uh, by the way, they're, they're, they're still married, and they're no longer here anymore, so don't worry about, you know, the names have been changed, save the innocent, but I'm not going to tell you their names. Anyway, um, but uh, it was the guy, and he's crying like a baby on the phone. I mean, just crying like, Pastor Chris, I need help. I need, you know, uh, you know she's, my wife's going to leave me, and, and we need your help. And he's like really upset. And then on the, I could hear in the distance his, his newly married wife, sweet as iced tea, beautiful, sweet little thing. She is screaming, I'm not going to talk to Pastor Chris. You know, hang up. I don't want to see him. You know, and anyway, long story short, uh, they had come into this marriage, and he had never shared with her how much debt he was in. And so he kind of, you know, he, he said he didn't lie. He just kept it from her, which was a big, fat lie. Anyway, and uh, they did work through that. But there's got to be that, that initial facing of the problem, and it might be humbling. It might be embarrassing. You know, it might be embarrassing for you to tell, you know, your spouse or, you know, your new spouse how much money you spent on shoes the past year or, you know, how much you eat out, you know, at work or whatever. But you got to face the problem. Now, once you have the courage to face the problem, then you got to do the second thing that's a part of God's financial plan, financial plan for peace and freedom. Um, and it might be the most difficult after you face the problem. And again, this is kind of a big picture you know, overarching principle here. Both of these things are, but here it is. Number two, learn to be content. Learn to be content. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says this, it's better to be satisfied with what you have than always to be wanting something else. Would you agree that we have violated that verse uh, almost more than any other here in this country? I mean, if we could just learn this principle, and if we could teach this now to our children, it would, it would change, you know, the future of our country. Uh, we are never satisfied with what we have. I mean, today we live in a world where we are so busy trying to get more that we don't even enjoy what we currently have. You know, we, we have bought into this myth that having more will make you more happy. 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 7 says this, there is great gain in, listen to this, here's the equation, godliness, okay, Some, a man or a woman of, of godly character, godliness combined with what? What's the other part of the equation? Contentment. And then he explains it, he says, hey, we brought nothing into the world and you could take nothing out of it. Now, if you've ever seen a baby born, you know this principle is true. You're, you know, children don't come into the world with, with iPhones. It doesn't work that way. They don't, a baby's not born into this world with an Xbox or an iPod. You know, I, I've been there. They don't come that way. And I've been on the other end of the, of, of the spectrum, and uh, you don't take anything with you at a funeral. You know, you don't. What, one of the greatest secrets of just learning to be happy in this life is to realize you don't own anything. Everything you think you own, everything you think you're the owner of, you, you, it is all on loan to you. You just get to borrow God's stuff for about 60, 80, 90 years maybe. You brought nothing into the world, the Bible says, and you'll take nothing out of it. You just get to use it. You get to leverage it. You get to uh, manage it. The Bible calls that principle stewardship. 
You are the manager, the steward of everything that God allows to come into your life while you're here. And then it, it goes to somebody else. You know, if God wanted you to lose it, you, man, you can lose everything overnight in a dozen different ways. You know, when, when we finally understand that, that we are simply a manager of the blessings that God brings into life, and you hold everything that you have with an open hand, you know what happens? You're no longer grasping. You're no longer afraid of losing things. So what if you lose it? You know, God can turn off a faucet just as simply as he can turn one on. We have got to learn to be content because stuff doesn't last, does it? It doesn't. I mean, it'll break. You know, the, the, the new gadget or gizmo that you think, you know, you've got to have, they're already working on the next gadget or gizmo. And, you know, you are never going to be satisfied. You're never going to get out of the mess that you're in until you get this principle, until you learn that things don't last. And God is far more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. That's what lasts, your character. Now, what is contentment? Now, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Because contentment is not not having financial goals, okay? Contentment is not not getting your financial house in order and making wise decisions and saving for the future and even enjoying all of the blessings of God. That's not contentment. Contentment means this. My happiness is not dependent on my circumstances. My happiness, my joy you know, is, is not caught up in, you know, my, the season of life that I find myself in, the stuff that I have, the things that I have. Most people get caught up in this when and then thinking. When and then thinking. Here it is. When I get this, then I'll be happy. When I get to a certain level financially, then I'll be happy. When, when I get this certain job, then I'll be happy. When I finally retire, then I'll be happy. When the kids get out of the house, then I'll be content. And God says, nope. It just doesn't work that way. Because if you're not content now, once you get there, you'll always be wanting something else. You'll always want something more. What did Paul say in Philippians 4.12? He said, I've learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation. In other words, it's something you've got to learn. It doesn't come naturally. It, 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 by our nature, we are not content people. But if you don't learn it, if you don't learn that now, if you don't try to press that in into your children, you're never going to be happy. And if we're not setting the example for our kids, they learn it from us. Listen, you're never going to get out of debt, and we're just setting them up for future disaster. Hebrews 13.5 says this. Listen to this. Keep your lives free from the love of money. By the way, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. That's a myth. It doesn't say that. It says what? The love of money is the root of all evil. You know, again, money is, is you know, it's, it's neither good or bad. It's just a thing. Uh, it's something that God blesses us with to leverage for his kingdom. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money. And then again, here's the equation. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Do you see what he's saying there? He's going, hey, contentment is saying, 
Your happiness should come from your relationship to the Lord. Not the next gadget or gizmo. Not the next job. Not not your level of income. And if you're not content and satisfied and joyful now, guess what? You're not going to be then. And he says, because I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Let me ask you something. Will money forsake you a time or two? Absolutely. Will stuff let you down? Yes, it will. But God never will, he says. He goes, listen, you've put your hope, you put your joy in the wrong basket, in the wrong thing, because I'm not going to leave you. I won't disappoint you, God says. I'm telling you, if, if you could just, if you could begin with those two principles, face the problem and learn to be content, then you're headed on the right path. But now, let's really put some nuts, nuts and bolts to this. This is going to sound very simple, but this is where we need to start today. Number three, plan your spending. Plan your spending. Now, most of us already have a plan, okay? And here's the plan. The plan is Ecclesiastes 5.11. The more you have, the more you spend, right up to the limits of your income. That's your plan, isn't it? Now, truthfully, that's not your plan. Because statistics now show that in America, most Americans spend up to, get this, ready this? 120% of their income. How in the world is that possible? What are we doing? We're going into debt. We're charging it. And we do that year after year after year. And credit card companies show up by the droves in colleges, give you a t-shirt, a slice of pizza, and you sign up for a credit card. Are, are, you know, are, are kids that stupid? Yes, they are, right? But they're not just at college campuses. Man, they're everywhere. But guess what? We have now reached the point where... Uh, College debt has exceeded credit card debt in our country. And we're just waiting on someone else to foot the bill. It's a mess. Listen, don't go through this year the way you went through last year. Make the decision today. Make the commitment today. No longer fumbling around in the dark, spending, guessing, not knowing what's going on. Proverbs 27, lots of wisdom here today from Proverbs. Listen to this. Riches can disappear fast, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. Now, obviously, they were an agricultural society, so he's saying, you know, know the state of your flocks, your herds. Today, what would Solomon say? Know the state of your, know where your what is going. Maybe your stock, know where your money is going. Now, here's starting point number one. Here it is. Keep good records. Keep good records. You need to keep track of your finances. You need to know how much do I owe, what do I own, what do I earn, and what am I spending. You need to know the answers to those questions. Have you ever said this? I just don't know where what? Where the money goes. If you are saying that enough on a regular basis, that should be a bright red flashing warning sign in your life that you're not keeping good records. Proverbs 23, 23, get the facts at any price. Let me give you a simple equation. Here it is. Ignorance plus easy credit equals disaster. If if you don't know where you're headed in your finances, and you're not keeping good records, and you've got credit cards, you are in trouble. I mean, you're buying stuff you can't afford, you know, to keep up with people you don't even like. Um, 
And ignorance plus easy credit equals disaster. Proverbs 21.5, plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. If you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to get this principle. Financial freedom is not determined by how much money you make. Now, you'll hear this a lot, for example, if you've ever been through uh, Financial Peace with Dave Ramsey. By the way, man, we are so committed to helping people in this area that we, we try to offer uh, financial freedom, financial peace, at least once every year, year and a half uh, here at Coastal is one of our groups. But your freedom is not determined by how much you make. It's determined by how you spend it. Now, if you don't have a plan, your yearning is always going to exceed your earning and you're always going to be in debt, no matter how much money you make. Your, your expenses will always rise with your income. I mean, again, I know people today who can't seem to live on $100,000 a year. Why? Their yearning has exceeded their earning. Proverbs 21.20, this is God's IQ test. I didn't, I didn't write this. He did. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Wow. The Bible says that if I spend my money as soon as I get it, if I have no plan, I'm not very wise. What's the answer? Here it is. You knew this word was coming. You hate this word. It's budget. Now, what is a budget? Let's break this down a little bit. Um, it is planned spending. A budget is not saying you can't have fun, you can't plan for trips, you can't, you know, plan for birthdays and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. That's not what it is. A budget is simply telling, where, telling your money where you want it to go rather than you wondering where it went. Uh, so here's your homework. Again, if you've never done this, you know, go home today and make a crude little budget. And uh, again, you can go to DaveRamsey.com. There's all kinds of uh, resources there. But if you want to get financial freedom, enjoy some of the fruits of your labor and your even eventually financial success, you're going to have to learn to live with a budget. You are never going to get out of debt. You're never going to save for the future until you plan your spending. And if we don't begin to teach these principles to our children now, uh, the, the, the cycle is just going to continue. Again, God warns us about this. Um, Proverbs 22.7. This is not a bad verse to uh, print really small on all of your credit cards where you could see it. And every time you're tempted to use a credit card, every time you, you know, not, not your debit card that's coming right out of your bank account, but every time you use it, it's just credit, you, you ought to be able to see this verse and read it. Here it is. The borrower is the servant to the lender. Some translations say the borrower is the slave to the lender. What if you had to see that every time you had to look at it before you handed it over? And you, and you realize, you know what? I'm making a choice here. I am, I am saying that I am going to be a servant. I'm going to be in debt. I am going to be a slave to this lender for a specific period of time. And, and you start thinking about not just what you're getting, but what you're getting yourself into what you are putting your family into. And I hope it would change the way you think about things. Listen, if you've been in debt for a long period of time, today's sermon is not about you know, guilt or, you know, or judgment or condemnation. It really is about hope and it's about help. But if you've been in debt for a long period of time, man, you need to hear the honest truth. 
you are not going to get out of debt overnight. You didn't get into it overnight. You know, but it's the little things done consistently over a period of time that make a huge difference. And it's going to take discipline. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. Another word for discipline is simply delayed gratification. You know, one day the gratification will come, but you've got to put that you know, out of your mind for a little bit and use some discipline. For some of you, this ought to be your mantra, your theme uh, for the next season of your life. Here it is. Debt-free in three. Debt-free in three years. You're not going to get out of debt in a month, in a year. You know, debt-free in three for a lot of you. Set that long-term goal, but then begin to work on it now, little by little by little, and you'll be amazed at the results. You know, one of the keys of not getting into debt is to begin to build up that savings. You know, if you've ever been through Dave Ramsey's financial piece, he says you need to build up, what does he call it, that emergency fund. How much money do you need to put in that emergency fund right off the bat, he says? $1,000. He says right off the bat because, you know, stuff happens. Life happens. And and if you don't have that emergency fund set aside, then you're constantly just going for the credit card. And then he says, start with the smallest debt first. And you just go at it like a Rottweiler. I mean, you you just attack it like a bulldog. And you stay at it, and you stay at it, and you pay off that smallest debt first. And then you roll all of that money onto the next uh, largest debt, and so on and so on and so forth. And what does he call that? The debt what? Snowball. Right. Uh, listen, I, we all know we need to do this. Proverbs twelve eleven says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases after fantasies lacks judgment. How many times when, when we're in debt do we not think this? You know, man, if only the big deal would come through. If only I'd get that promotion. If only, if only I'd win the lottery. Life would be wonderful. And God just says, listen. You're chasing fantasies. That's not the way it works. He says, work the land that you're in. Man, if you're one of these people that's always waiting on the next big deal, always waiting on your ship to come in, it's as though God is saying, hey, listen, start rowing the rowboat that you're in now. And little by little, make some progress. That's how you do this. Here's, here's another verse to memorize, Proverbs 13, 11. Money that comes easily disappears quickly. Isn't that true? But money that's gathered little by little will grow. Easy come, easy go. Now, number four, start giving in faith. You knew it was coming, didn't you? You're like, oh, I knew it. He held off to the very end, but I knew he was going to talk about giving. Well, you know what? The Bible talks about it, so let's talk about it. Malachi 3.10. God says, Bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Tithing simply means 10%. You know, if you're not giving 10%, you're not tithing. Bring bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord, and I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessing that you need. God says, test me. You know, quite frankly, this is God's Double dog challenge verse of the Bible. Double dog dare challenge. In fact, this is the only place in the Bible where God says, I dare you to do this. He actually says, test me in this. And he says, you can prove that I exist by tithing. He says, if you'll put put me first in your finances, 
If you'll give me the first 10% back, see if I don't bless your life. I dare you. Now again, here's the truth. God owns everything. You know, nothing that you think you have is yours. Again, you get to borrow it for like 60, 80, 90 years, and then it all goes back to other people, and they're going to fight over it. Okay? I mean, they're going to become little animals over what your stuff. You know, you didn't bring anything into the world. You're not going to take anything out of this world. You only get to use God's resources while you're here to leverage for his kingdom. And then you will stand before him and give an account to him on how you used it. Now, let me give you a couple of reasons for tithing. First of all, gratitude. This is not on your outline. You might just write the word gratitude down. Every time you give 10% back to God, you're basically saying, God, I realize I wouldn't have anything if it weren't for you in the first place. You gave me my mind. You gave me my health. You gave me my body. You gave me the clothes on my back. So here's 10% back to you out of gratitude because I, knew it, I know it all comes from you in the first place. Secondly, it proves that God's number one. You could say it all day long. But if you're not tithing, if he's not first in your finances, you're kidding yourself. You don't trust him. You don't believe that he'll do what he say, what he says. It's, it's like this. It's like in, in your life you recognize, hey, God, you are number one, so here's, what, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you the first of all of my life. But I'm going to give you all of my life. But I'm going to devote to you the, the first part of my week. I want to make a commitment to be in church on Sunday and worship you with the, with the rest of the believers. We're going to gather together, and I'm going to make that commitment. You get the first part of every week. God, you get the first part of every day. I'm going I'm to spend time with you in your word. I'm going to have a quiet time. I'm going to devote that to you. And then, God, I'm going to give you the first part of my money. You know, it, it's a statement of faith. Every time you tithe, you're saying, God, I believe your promise. I believe that somehow you're going to make the whole 90% better than if I had to live on the 100%. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you enough to save me and to get into heaven. So I'm going to trust you to take care of my finances. Isn't that crazy? Some of you call yourselves believers, and you trust that you're going to go to heaven, and you trust God for your salvation, but you won't trust him with your money? Look at this next verse. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord by giving him the leftovers of all your income. It doesn't say that, does it? Give him the what? First part, and he will fill your barn. This is so simple, simple math. If you make $100, the first what goes back to God? First $10. If you make $1,000, the first what goes back to God? $100. I go on and on and on. God says, put me first and watch what I do. Put me first and watch what I do. Notice he doesn't say, pay all of your bills and give what's left over, because left to our own. We don't have any leftovers. And God doesn't want your leftovers. You know, when, when Jan and I got married, we decided that if anybody was going to get paid, God was going to get paid first. And so as a young couple, we made the decision that um, at a minimum, because it's, it's, it's just a principle, at a, at a bare minimum, 10% of everything that we ever make is always going to go back to the church. And we have always done that. Now, I'll be honest with you. There have been times when in my life, I thought, man, we could sure use that extra 10, 15%. Because life happens to me just like it happens to everybody else. You know, there have been times when, like the Apostle Paul, we did not have much. And there have been times when 
you know, we'd have a, me a major medical bill. Or our air conditioning would break. Or our car would blow up. And, you know, you'd be tempted to think, man, if I could just have the whole thing. But then I never wanted to rob God. Because God said, that's mine. And if you will test me in this, I will bless you. And man, I stand before you. And there's a bunch of other people, by the way, here at Coastal who could stand up and say the same thing. Here, here we are after 27 years of marriage, and I'll say, God is faithful. And he has blessed my life. Deuteronomy 14.23 says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your lives. Listen. Yeah, but Pastor Chris, I, I like to tithe my time. Listen, that dog don't hunt here, okay? Come on. You know, God, sure, God wants your time, but he wants your money because he wants what it represents. It represents your heart. And you say, well, but Pastor Chris, are you telling me to pay God before I pay other people? You know, I'm in debt. You know what? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because you need God's blessing on your life. Some of you are like, yeah, but I can't afford the tithe. Listen, can I just lovingly tell you this? You can't afford not to. I mean, I mean here's the option. This is really what it boils down to. You keep doing it your way. Or you do it God's way. I mean, that's it. That's the bottom line. It is a matter of trust. Whatever you want God to bless, you put him first there. You want God to bless your family, put him first there. You want God to bless your marriage, your, your, your health, your time, honor him. And put him first. Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all of your greeds according to, it doesn't say that, right? My God will meet all your what? All your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The question is, do you trust him? So, will you face your problem head on? We learn to be content. Man, we all struggle with that. Will you plan your spending Start keeping those good records, get on a budget, and will you give in faith? Job 31, 24, and 28 says this, If I put my trust in money, if my happiness depends on wealth, it would mean I have denied the God of heaven. Man, listen, we, we are committed to this here at Coastal. We are committed to helping people be set free. Financial. That's one of the reasons why we offer financial peace so often. Um, I want to close today by praying for, for those of you who are in a financial mess and you, you're stressed out about finances every day. Listen, God doesn't want you to live that way. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for this church that, that as we are set free, as you are set free, man, we are able to do so much in God's kingdom. And uh, that's what it's all about. So bow your heads this morning. Let's pray together. Let's defeat this enemy. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Father, I pray today that uh, we could rise up and be set free, break the bondage of financial debt and stress and difficulty. God, you don't want us to be in debt. You want us to get out of it. But God, you also want us to do our part.
You know, it's a waste of time to, to pray for you to help us without us acting on the very thing you tell us to do. I pray today, God, there's going to be some folks who are going to go home today and, you know, sit around the kitchen table and have that difficult conversation. You know, maybe it's just a matter of admitting it to somebody else, but they're going to face the problem. And God, help us all to be content. The truth is, we're so blessed already. And, you know, it's not that you don't want us to have fun and to enjoy the blessings of life. You do, but we're so quick to not be satisfied with what we have. We're always looking for the next thing. Help us to enjoy what we have now. And God, help us to be wise and to plan our spending, to live within our means, to keep good records, you know, to live on a budget. Father, help us to test you. Help us to give in faith. Increase our faith, God. I pray today there are going to be people here, many people are going to be set free simply because they decided to trust you today. To put your word to to the test. Father, the world that we're living in, it's a mess. America, our country, we're in a mess financially. I pray today that by the decisions that are being made in this place, that we are, we are changing the future uh, of generations to come. So Father, start with us. Start with us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name.